This episode is brought to you by Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for the hybrid workforce. Online at wellforce.ai. Thank you for listening to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. Visit girlswhodostuff.com. You probably shouldn't Google that. Welcome to the Girls Who Do Stuff podcast. I am Jenny Midgley. I'm Sarah Madras. And this is a show where you come as you are with the courage to speak up and tell a better story. And today in the studio, virtually, virtually Mark Masters from Colorado. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yes. he is with us in, in screen. And he's a comedian, <laughs> so all the pressure to bring the funny <laughs> and the entertainment. No pressure. Lots of pressure. Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> is, is now an okay time to talk? I don't know when I'm supposed to start. I'm on now. Let's do it. You're Let's on now. Do it. All right, so usually we just we were like, hey, our guest today is so, and they do this, and why don't you go ahead and tell us who you are and what you do? So go, so ahead. go ahead. Tell us what you do. Wait, wait. All right. Well, I get up do. early to get on these podcasts. This is the most like professional podcast I've ever been a part of. This is incredible. You guys, so Joe backs back behind the scenes is killing it. And you guys with your matching unicorn shirts uh, for National <laughs> Unicorn Day, apparently. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah, it's, it's only I'm in Colorado. So it's about eight in the morning, which is uh, very early. For me, and I am a comedian, as you mentioned. I I haven't. It's been hard to be a comedian during mm-hmm. a pandemic, as you can imagine. But I'm excited. I, I got a, a show in May. It's April right now, 2021. I got a show in May in Connecticut, and a show in Montrose, Colorado, in June. In uh, person. In person. Nice. I'll be all vaxxed up and ready to rock. And yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Last week, I was down at my dad's for spring break on vacation, and we were watching on Netflix the like comedy mashup. And one of them must have been from 2020, and it's Kevin Hart. But everybody in the audience has masks on. And so it really is this very awkward, like... Surreal. Yeah. That was like the Dave Chappelle thing when he everybody was, like, distanced and and outside. And, of course, he's up there on the stage walking around smoking a cigarette. And you're like, really? Well, and I imagine, too, that it's so much harder for the comedian because it's, are we connecting? I can't right. tell. You can't you see smiling? your face. Yeah. You can't, are you yeah. laughing? And the audience has to be, like, extra exuberant of, like, I think you're funny under here. You can't see it, but it's happening. Right. <laughs> Is it more pressure to do? So you? So tell us, first off, tell us what you've been doing to, yeah, so since you can't do I do, do a lot of online person. shows. Some comedians don't like the online stuff. I, last summer, was like, I, this might take a while. And I need to still be writing and performing. And so I started something called Comedy Test Kitchen. It's every Friday night for 30 minutes. We get comics from all over the world. We've had five continents, eight countries, and 33 states so far. If anybody knows a comedian in Alaska, I need Alaska to check that (laughs) off the list. Uh, Also, Rhode Island has been difficult to find. Yeah, uh, I would imagine 30... people in Rhode Island and Alaska aren't that funny. We just lost all of our listeners from <laughs> Well, Rhode think Island about that, though. Because what is funny in Alaska? You're like, is it the working, lobsters? I'm freezing they both my have ass lobsters. off. I'm nope. trying not to die by the wildlife. That's what I'm thinking. No, but that's, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's the story I have in my head. <laughs> well, anyways, uh, if you're in Alaska, you are very funny. And I would love to have you on Comedy Test Kitchen. Anyways, Comedy Test Kitchen, it started last June, and it was awful. I'm going to be, like, I imagine as professional, this is like SpaceX right now, this podcast recording system. 
but probably a while ago you weren't quite as organized, didn't have the matching outfits, etc. <laughs> In the beginning last June, it was really bad. Like the comics didn't know what they were doing. I didn't have the whole studio set up with a fancy mic and the lights, and the audience didn't know how to participate. But over time, it's gotten really good. We failed forward, and mm-hmm. uh, now we get like cruise ship headliners to perform. We had a show with an 11 year old kid who performed. Like I said, it's every Friday night for 30 minutes, and that's been good practice for other bigger online things like private shows with big famous comedians or the Vale Comedy Show, which if you're watching this, you can see in my backdrop. Uh, which do, a is little, every... do a little dance to the left or to the right because we can't yeah. see it. Boom. <laughs> Boom. There we, there we go. go. That's, my, that's my unicorn <laughs> strut right there. Yes. Uh, we, we have a Vale Comedy Show next Thursday, April 15th. Jackie Cation is headlining. If you can't see me right now, I'm on the older side. I'm in my 40s. So I remember when Jackie was on Murphy Brown, which is exciting. She's also Murphy been Brown. on Comedy Central. Wow. She's, she's pretty. There are a lot of 20-year-olds that are like, Murphy, what? But, like she was, it was the primetime show that we weren't able to, first of all, we were too young, but like it was past our bedtime. Right. Candace Bergen, everybody. Mm-hmm. She was on um, Candace Bergen was great. Entourage yep. when she was, as an older woman. Well, I uh, think of uh, Candace Bergen in Miss Congeniality. That yes. was yes. literally like yes. the best. Nice. <laughs> nice. She's hilarious. She so is, Jackie yeah. Cation, Khalid Rockman, Jeff Tice, French accent from America's Got Talent, all kinds of fun people on April Thursday, April 15th. The show is free. It's sponsored. You can tip the performers, but you get the, the tickets on Eventbrite. This um, isn't going to air until May. Oh, okay. Get on your time machine. <laughs> it was a good plug. If, if you Venmo me enough money, maybe I'll privately air a recording of <laughs> that comedy awesome. show for That's you. That's awesome. That's what we'll do. Just mention the uh, Girls Who Do Stuff podcast, and we'll, we'll, we'll work, work something, something out. out. Right. Yeah. So I would imagine that being a comedian means you have to have serious resiliency and confidence. And courage. Totally, yes. Or not even, not, and, and even if it's not courage, it's like just that grit to move through even when you're scared shitless. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say definitely more courage than competence is my situation. (laughs) I'm very comfortable. I've always been comfortable failing. I don't know why, if I was born that way or if it it was nature versus nurture, but it's helped me in university and athletics and all kinds of things. Comedy is definitely, there's a lot of failure. Like you work really hard, you write all the time, and then you get up on stage and there's no buffer. There's, if you go into like your nine to five and you have a middle manager protecting you if you Mm -hmm. make a mistake or something like that when you're on stage there's literally a spotlight on you and if you bomb it's just it's one it's instantaneous like at work (laughs) you might work on something for months and find out that it doesn't work so great but on stage you find out right away if people like you or don't like you or like what you're talking about so that that can be a challenge but it's all about volume you fail enough and then you get little nuggets that are funny along the way and yeah, so definitely more courage than competence in my situation, I would say. So what is a time where you were like, yeah, that totally bombed. And then what was that experience like in the moment? And then how did you recover from it? Great question. So the very first time I performed, another throwback CBS reference here. I did an open mic. This is in my book, Not Good Yet. I told a joke, a murder she wrote joke. 
Okay, mm-hmm. Jessica Fletcher, I think is her name. Nobody, it was like a bar full of 20-year-old drunks. Angela Lansbury, mm-hmm. yes. And, but the yeah. character was Jessica Fletcher. Gotcha. But yeah. Yes, from uh, Beauty and the Beast. She was the mm-hmm. teapot in the original. She was. She was you Mrs. Know, all Potts. the 20-year-olds, there was an original. I just know the new one, you know? <laughs> so, all right, anyways. She was, she was Mrs. Potts. Uh, yeah. This, this is a common theme with me, telling jokes about old things that people don't get. But anyway, so I, I got up. It's a long story, but it didn't go well. Let's just say that. And I, my reaction was there was one thing that did go well, and I'm going to hang on to that, and uh, I'll be back next week. And I came back next week, and I was a, a little bit better, just a little mm-hmm. bit. Not a lot, just a little bit. Week after week, you, you build up, and uh, now I can entertain a room of 50, 100 people, get paid for my clean, optimistic comedy. And I, I'm not a, a professional by any stretch of the imagination, but I, I do get paid to do comedy. And that's, I think, the coolest thing in the world. I think that makes you a professional. Yeah. it's Here's an old joke. What's the difference between a large pizza and a stand-up comedian? The pizza can feed a family of four. I'd like, I'd like to be able to feed a nice, like a Kevin Hart-sized family. would be pretty <laughs> sweet. Uh, yeah, But like, so I want to, Comment to that, though, because, yes, you are, like, your chosen way of earning a living mm-hmm. is through comedy, and you are getting paid for it, and you're, so, like, is it that you don't feel like it's a professional thing, that there's, like, a element of imposter syndrome, that, like, the not-enoughness, the, what's the word I'm looking for, feeling less than, like, that you don't deserve that, to call yourself a professional comedian? I, I think it... it Probably the simplest definition is on income. Can I, can, could I pay my mortgage and feed myself on what I get paid? And it's not unusual, like outside of the pandemic, for me to drive from Denver to Chicago, which you can imagine is a long drive, mm-hmm. for six beer tickets for a show. Mm-hmm. That is not somebody making a living at comedy. That's right. somebody who just really loves it. So to be a professional, I, I behave professionally. Like I mm-hmm. showed up to this podcast on time and that's half the battle and, and far ahead of a, a lot of other comedians. I, I, I would boil it down to if I could make even like a modest amount of money, thirty forty thousand dollars $40,000 a year, that to me, I would feel like I was a professional comedian. Okay. And that's so interesting because I read your bio and I... When I read it, I was like, oh, he's like legit, real deal, not just like hanging out. I am out. legit. And he is legit. But like <laughs> what he's saying is he's not. Like I read uh, well, it as you're yeah. a professional I guess there is some imposter syndrome. I'm being yeah. modest, maybe. I don't know. I was like, oh, look at all these amazing places he's been and all but these big time. But is, so is this, you are, you have been to all those places. Yeah, have I have done, done all, those, all things. those things. I think the thing that gets lost in translation is whether those things pay any money. That's the really, that's the brutal truth about <laughs> show business so and So you're comedy. measuring success on income. Yeah, probably, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's not the most important thing in the world. Really, the way I measure success is one person, one smile, one laugh at a time. Mm-hmm. Because cause otherwise, I, I'd go crazy. when I, If I perform in some rat hole bar and it's 1.30 in the morning and my back hurts from mm-hmm. sitting in an uncomfortable stool for three hours, there's one salty alcoholic in the corner who hasn't laughed all night. And if I can get him to just crinkle his eyes a little bit at some, he doesn't want to laugh, but if he crinkles his eyes, I know I got him. And that to me is success. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. That's amazing. It's one of those things, especially when you're in a creative industry, 
right? Like comedy is a creative industry. I'm a photographer. I'm a, I do marketing. It's a creative industry and it is not the typical, like you should be validated just for completing your job and going in and, and doing like your job is to serve others in a way that makes them feel better mm-hmm. about life, about the way they look, about what they're presenting to the world, whatever it is. So like when you can, when you can separate that from earning the money, the money's great. Don't get me wrong. And we can have a whole conversation about valuing your worth and and all that. But that's what fills your soul is going to be those eye crinkles and those like for me, it's the oh, my God, I've always hated the way that I look in pictures Mm -hmm. and you really captured who I am. Like Mm -hmm. it's those types of validations that you get for just doing the thing that literally drives you to get out of bed in the morning. Mm-hmm. Funny thing about comedy is it's unlike medicine or law where you need a degree to practice. Like that salty alcoholic I just mentioned, he could wander up to the mic next and all of a sudden he's a comedian. No training, mm-hmm. no education. It's just anybody can say they're a comedian, but I'm not sure. I struggle with calling myself a comedian or a professional comedian until I have some kind of external success. Not everybody is, I want to be a comedian when I grow up. And so what is Uh your why behind that? How did you get on that journey? Yeah, that's a great question. I've heard this answered by so many comedians. And for sure, part of it was just experiencing comedy as a child. I just love that feeling of laughing. And uh, like Toonces the Cat on SNL, there's another throwback reference for our older demographic, cracked me up. And, and I saw George Carlin in person yes. when I was a young teenager. Oh, George Carlin just, was so amazing. He's great. It's fun to bring people joy and to make them laugh, especially in a clean, fun way. And one thing I've learned recently, like we talked about money. One way that I make money is by talking to corporations like Rotary Clubs political lobbying groups, Mm -hmm. women's leadership organizations. And I I give a talk called Laugh More. Mm -hmm. It's about the health benefits of laughter. Mm -hmm. And so when I go around the country and make people laugh, I'm making people healthier, which is really cool. Like I'm raising their their white. When you laugh, your white blood cell count increases. You uh, lose weight, like calories come off. There's all kind your blood pressure goes down. There's all kinds of really solid medical science about the health benefits of laughter. So that's another uh, plus for doing Mm -hmm. comedy that I really enjoy. That's awesome. But ultimately, this should be relatable to anybody. It's something that's really difficult that you have occasional success at, which I think is why like lab rats like gambling and why people are addicted to the slot machines. You don't win all the time. You sit there for hours and you very rarely win. And when you win, it feels really good. That's what comedy, and that's a terrible analogy. It's like the worst <laughs> analogy possible. A better analogy would be like, it's like running a marathon. Like when you start, you can't do it. There's no way you could run 26 miles. But if you're persistent and you persevere and you work at it every day for a long time, then you can accomplish something that was previously impossible. And that's the way I look at getting laughs. Like tonight I have a show. I have to do a brand new five minutes of stuff. And I, uh, right now I don't know what I'm going to do, but I've written a bunch of stuff in my joke notebook and hopefully some of it works and that will feel really good. And so that's what's kept me going at comedy. So we talk about your unicorn shirts with a rainbow tail and a horn and it says, I'm a unicorn. I love it. Because, you know, you should really aspire to be anything. And if, why wouldn't you? Let me ask you, were unicorns big when you were little girls? Yes. Okay. That's been like forever. I remember Rainbow Bright. It was Lisa Frank. And... No, I, w- I was not a Lisa Frank kid. Oh. No. 
Uh oh, we got an age gap here. Maybe <laughs> there's it's so what's amazing, right? Like you said, you're forty. Yeah, forty. So yeah. I'm turning forty three this year. Oh my you're gosh, turning, you don't I'm, look forty. I'm turning forty. You're turning forty this year. So it's like me too. I'm turning forty this year. Yeah. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I totally so like, misread this room. You guys look like thirties for sure. <laughs> And it's you're the, fun. It's the you camera got the angle. unicorn shirt. Hey! What's the lighting? So it's one of those. I was totally a Lisa Frank kid. We I don't even know what keepers. Lisa Frank is. What is Lisa, Lisa Frank? Lisa Frank was like, all the girls in your school had those big, giant, brightly colored yep. notebooks. And it was all like the bright ink and yep. Is it a rainbow cartoon? And, is she an artist? Is she a it was kind of, it was, yeah, it was like an art cartoonish. An artist that they commercialized into Trapper Keepers yeah. and supply yes. boxes. Trapper and she was, she had, like, it was like her own line. Yeah. I just made lots of money. Yeah, it was like Jojo Siwa <laughs> before Jojo Siwa. Yeah, and so like unicorns were a thing and then they went away and they were not cool. And then as women started to secretly admit that they loved unicorns and it, I think it grew out of there and now like unicorns are, and all of us that grew up with them as we're having kids were like mm-hmm. demanding products with unicorns yep. and then it became cool for yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah it I definitely so. seems bigger now like when i was a yes. kid i remember unicorns being these like medieval like almost violent creatures that were part of sci-fi fantasy stories uh-huh. and now you go to a big box retailer and they're selling unicorn poop Yes. Or Poopsie the Unicorn. There's If you go look on YouTube, you can look up the YouTube video for Poopsie the Unicorn. I refuse to get that for Smitha. But it's a dancing unicorn, and you can buy the Poopsie poop, which is rainbow slime. Lovely. No, thank you. I just but, looked it up because I was curious. Lisa Frank is currently worth $200 million. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so she's a professional. Business. Yeah, that's exactly. what a professional, She's a professional. She has monetized the shit I, out of her. Yeah. Work. yeah I want to be no, on a trapper I, keeper, is what I'm saying. If I can get on a trapper keeper, then I'm a professional. Can we bring trapper keepers back? I Please. would love that. They were the best. They are yeah. that Velcro, like crinkle. Yes. Like, just like, and yeah. it was like legit Velcro where it was like, oh, like, it was strong. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they had them for sale the two years ago when we were shopping for school supplies, that whole trapper oh, keeper wow. section in Target. Wow. wow. Nice. My kids were like, no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> What Such is that? a dork, Dad. God, uh, out of here. Yeah. Now everything's going to be digital moving forward anyway. So truth. Yeah. But that's another conversation for another day. Do you feel like you got answers as to as to the universe? Yeah. You didn't say so what is why your say? today. You were telling me during the pre-show that today is a very special day. It is National Unicorn Day. There we go. There Would you like so to see next the year, everybody is she has too unicorn late pants now. on too. I have unicorn pants. What? I know. I did not go with the. I didn't have. My daughter has unicorn pants and a unicorn uh, pillowcase and unicorn. Yeah, she's that's but, incredible. You know what I like are the unicorn bike helmets. Have you seen those? Yes. The little kids with yes. the yes. or snowboarding and helmets. Headbands. Those yeah. are great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But yeah, so we were at a because we like to go to all of our local markets because we're really big and supporting local and whatever. And once a month in my town they do a night market and there's a vendor there that makes these like amazing coasters and like. This one says believe in yourself and it's a unicorn. And then we have one that's like magical AF and it has another. Anyway, but she has these pins and Samantha dug through and found the two unicorn pins. My daughter, Samantha, found the two unicorn pins. And I was like, can I give one to podcast Sarah? And she goes, yes. Yes. Because she loves podcast Sarah. So she has a unicorn. She has flair today. Yes. Flared you up like Jennifer Aniston. Wellforce, offering business consulting and IT solutions for your hybrid workforce. Do you need business process evaluations and solutions to streamline your workflows? A technology assessment, including security and managed services to optimize performance, or solutions to create a seamless hybrid workplace experience. 
If that's you, Wellforce has a growing team of affiliates to support your organization's move to hybrid. Visit wellforce.ai today. What do we think about narwhals? <laughs> Similar oh, category or different category? Similar category. The They're unicorn the un- of the sea. Exactly. <laughs> All right, nice. Joe, can you look up what day is National Narwhal Day? Yeah, get, I look it up. Get some info He's on like, that. I'm on it. Because I, I, like I miss the unicorn dress up, but I would do something for Narwhal Day. You could, uh, I wonder if another, like the unicorn horns, you could just monetize narwhal totally. shit. Well, totally. And did you hear how badass narwhals are that a guy used a narwhal to, to disarm a person who was trying to attack people? Like, like a Europe dead narwhal? Like in a Like a museum? stuffed animal. Like oh. A- oh. <laughs> I thought she was talking about a real narwhal. I'm like, Joe, look that up. It's April 22nd is Narwhal Appreciation yes. Day. Oh, it's coming okay. up. Oh, but listeners will have missed it. Mark your calendar for next year. I can celebrate that. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, I, I heard that story and I was like, what? He's he a stuffed a narwhal to disarm I literally thought you meant assailant? like- I couldn't what? figure out if she, you were talking about like a living narwhal at like an aquarium or like yeah, a dead narwhal confusing. at a marine. Like I I'm could, telling you. Or they were in the ocean and he picked up a narwhal. And like, it was amazing. It was amazing. Right. Can you imagine if somebody was like on a cruise ship and picked up like there? there's a guy attacking people and he just reaches in the water and he's like, <laughs> here, let me bring up my narwhal. Look, if I know anything it's about like marine biology. It's like Turner and Hooch, but for narwhals. I learned it watching the movie Elf. And narwhals are in very cold climates yes they are <laughs> so maybe not a cruise ship there but <laughs> have you done cruise except ship in alaskan no i would that would be a professional like that would be like being <laughs> on a trapper keeper oh my god i so want to like because we could he could totally but you be could a go yeah but then you could go to alaska do a, a comedy set on an alaskan cruise and then you could be the comedian from alaska that you've been looking for that is a good 10-year plan and then you could also pick up a narwhal on the way. Yes, I could get a selfie with a narwhal and probably get impaled in the process. And then maybe I'd go viral, and then that would solve everything. That would solve everything. This is great. I didn't realize this was going to be life coaching. This is terrific. If I had like a a narwhal in my living room, like if I had a living have, room like, that could hold after us. a fish tank that yes. large, that would be amazing. How big is a narwhal? I do have a serious question for you. I was curious when you were like childhood comedy. Did so? I'm just going to come out and ask it. it. Did you have a very traumatic childhood that you needed comedy in order to make you feel good? No, this is like a this is a common trope (laughs) that comedians come from pain and anguish. And I have the most wonderful parents in the world. Like they are the best at fighting. I think it's because they have so much practice at it. They've been right. (laughs) Like they've been married for 52 years. My parents have been, and they—that's a lot know, of they, practice. That's a lot. They have grudges older than I am. This year, they're like the Costanza parents, but they, no, they were very—they were lovely. They gave me every opportunity possible. So no, my my comedy doesn't come from trauma or anything like that. Which maybe that's why I don't consider myself a professional. Maybe right. if I just had some real serious trauma, go get hit by a car. <laughs> yeah, or like I'm in a plane trauma. and or it go trap a narwhal. One and a half tons, by the way. One and a half tons and 13 to 20 feet. Do you have that space in your living room? Whoa. Not in my living room, but in my outdoor fish tank that I scuba dive in. <laughs> I do. Yes. So how do you know when to retire a joke? Or do you get sick of it? Are you like, I'm sick of telling this shit right now and I don't want to do this anymore? How do you know? Yeah. 
That's a great question. Uh, a lot of my jokes are topical. Like I have a joke about my hair, which is awful as the people who can see. Like I've been cutting it with kitchen shears for a year and you can't even see the worst part. Like the worst part is up top. I know. Do you guys know what a coxcomb is? It's yeah. like I can floss with my coxcomb at this point. It's really bad. <laughs> I need and you I'm, to take the hat off. I will. Let's build up to it. I have the circle of sadness. Do you guys know about it? It's like <laughs> yes, Chernobyl. Circle of sadness, yes. yes. I've never heard it called that, but yeah. yes, I. Yeah. It's like Cherno it's like the exclusion zone in Chernobyl. Like it's there's not going to be any growth in my lifetime, and if there is growth, it's going to be weird growth. Wait, you did, know? did you ask about retiring so, a joke? How do we get out yeah, of here? So here I am. I'm, I'm just okay. about to bring it full circle. That joke right there. I would. I need to retire for two reasons. One, I'm going to get a haircut very soon once I'm all vaxxed up, and so you won't be able to see how terrible my hair is. And two. Chernobyl was a great joke back when everybody had watched the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. Yeah. And now, like, people, like, they don't remember, oh, it, it's an exclusion zone, and, oh, things grow weird. Like, people's <laughs> memories are very short. There's, like, fishes so. with multiple faces and eyes and, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, so well, And what do you do with those references, right? Because there's references that we drop all the time or that we've heard you drop just in the show that yeah. we get, but the younger generations don't get. Yeah, so how do you... sometimes you have to explain it, and that's the magic of tags as well. If you tell a joke and then you add a tag, which is basically the same joke just told a different way. Like, basically, I just told four jokes about my hair being bad, Maybe somebody in the audience doesn't have good hearing and they missed the setup where I said mm -hmm. that my hair was bad. By the time you get to the third joke on the same exact thing, you're like, oh, he's making fun of his hair. I mm -hmm. get it. And then they start laughing as well and the laughs just build up. Yeah. So maybe okay. somebody doesn't get a Punky Brewster reference, but then you do a, I don't know, Trolls reference and they're like, oh yeah, I get Trolls because yeah. I love Justin Timberlake or whatever. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I've actually in that joke, I have another thing about a, a mullet. Do you guys call it party in the back, business in the front? Have you of heard course. that? Like mine during the pandemic is more party in the back, JC Penny during the pandemic <laughs> yes. in the front. Yes. It's like Sears and Roebuck up here. It's yep. AMC movie theaters. And so you do that. Like the old people get JC Penny. The the young sometimes I say GameStop. Uh, yep. and the young people get GameStop. So you just you mix them in. And, and the audience will tell you eventually, like, people just, not enough people get it. And sometimes it's audience-specific. So I might go to Aspen and tell uh, a football joke about the New England Patriots, and people look at me like, are, are you talking about, like, John Adams and Ben Franklin? I don't know <laughs> right. what, you're, what you're talking about. And then so I go to my book material. I tell jokes about books instead. So you have to be able to, like, navigate, navigate. individual yep. audiences and just the overall zeitgeist, like what people are talking about and are interested in yep. at the moment. Do you just pull in from inspiration from anywhere? If you could be walking down the street and you see something that... <gasps> are we going to be in, in a joke? I'm sure we are because we're a shit show. I, so I, I for sure will talk about jokes? your podcast tonight. I'll have to come up with a good <laughs> unicorn narwhal joke. I'll promote you during tonight's show on Comedy Test Kitchen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, where do I get show. inspiration from? There's... The thing about comedy is you just live your life and funny things happen. Things that are mm -hmm. funny to me and make me laugh. The trick is to make it funny to other people. And that's uh, one part trial and error, one part experience. And you just, you figure it out. And, and so I, that Chernobyl joke happened because I watched the Chernobyl miniseries. So I, I try and watch as much kind of new media as I can to st stay up to date. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's hard. There's so much it? content out there. My list just keeps growing and growing. And then like 
we saw an ad for that new Amazon series called Them. Okay. Which I like heard of it. I watched a trailer and Scott was like, that wasn't the one that I watched. Like, seriously, I was afraid to go to sleep just from the trailer. And I was like, I'm not fucking watching this. But we added it to the list anyway, because there will be a time when I'm in the mood to be like scared shitless right. and need to watch some kind of like psychological thriller. Yeah, y'all, it's fucked up. Yeah. Is it a like movie, like 90 minute movie no, or is it a series? Okay. It's a series. Cool. It's one of those like eight. When when did a season become eight to ten episodes? Can someone answer that for me? Instead of 20? 23, 24? Yes. Agreed. It's very what? annoying. You, the best thing ever is when you find something you like and there's ten seasons of it. Have you guys watched Shameless? I'm trying. Oh, it's so I'm good. Really it is How can you not get into it? It's amazing. It's because so funny. Because it's really it's that's definitely on not clean. level. For my like, audience that's Shit's tuning in for me, yeah. this is not clean content. But it's on Netflix. Oh, it's yeah. not clean at all. So no, I, that's not, the that's thing, the problem, is yeah. I have to monitor. I'm like, is a child anywhere near me? Can uh, a yeah. child pop in at any moment? Right. <laughs> right. And like, so for something like Shameless, yeah, like I'd have to watch it here while I'm editing or something. Because right. I'll put you on. Right now I'm binge yeah. watching Supernatural again just because it's background. But our, but we can watch Shit's Creek with our kids around. Even though they're 10 and 5, like a lot of it goes over Samantha's head. Mm-hmm. Nicholas is like in and whatever. But no, we could not watch Shameless with the kids right. around. No way. No way. Yeah. But it's so right. great you get if you get into that, and then there's eight more seasons. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Agreed. And then, like, there's, then there's the mega depression when it's over. Yeah, it's yes. like you lost a friend, and then you have that's to restart trauma. it. Somebody needs to. Re- I'm sure if somebody is, but I am so fascinated to see the research on that of exactly that of like you binge a show and you become addicted, and I'm like, oh, I gotta let's crack, and you're like, I gotta. Oh, watch no, you the have next a grief. Gotta, you have you and have to experience have, the grief when it's over. Yeah. You do absolutely. And the withdrawal, and mm-hmm. it's this very weird, intense feeling. It's like and losing they don't write TV shows like movies. Yeah, they don't write TV shows like movies. They don't have catharsis at the end of the season right. if they're planning on doing another one. Yes. So when you watch a show like Firefly or one that famously gets canceled, you're like, and yeah. now what? What right. the fuck? That's <laughs> right. the and you're like, worst. you fuckers left me hanging. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like, and I think it's really funny. Like my, like Nicholas loves The Office. He thinks it's hilarious. He loves the the banter between like Jim and Dwight, and he thinks Michael Scott's ridiculous and all the things. There are, I think it's really cool to see the level and depth in comedy that's out there now and the content that you can consume. Yeah, because it used to just so much be cookie cutter. If you go back and watch, like. The shows from the the fifties and sixties, and like they had their system that ran, and now mm-hmm. people can really try different things and do different things. Fluidity, and, yes, fluidity. Thank mm-hmm. you for finding words for me. Yes. I'm having word finding issues today. So can I share a funny story? No, and maybe you can use it tonight. <laughs> Please, yes. Feel free to take it. Feel free. Yeah. Right before we left to go on vacation, my like literally the evening before, my husband's car breaks down. Mm. We got to get. Toad, blah, 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 blah. We're down in Florida. We're trying to get a rental because they had all weeks to, to look at the damn car. But of course they didn't look at the damn car when we were gone for a week because that would have made too much sense. So then we get back. He has no car. We got to get a rental, this and another. Our insurance agent sends us the number of here is the number to call to get to see about the rental car. So we're sitting there at the dining room table. My husband hits the number in the text message, literally the same one. So there's mm-hmm. no way of, I've copied it wrong or anything. Hits the number. Ring. And it's, hello and welcome, sexy gentleman. If you are here to speak to answer. And we're like, what the what? And this is on and- East, this is on Easter Sunday. And so we're like, 
looking and we're like trying like it's that sudden and it's press two for Sasha press three for like I Roxanne. don't want to call out your insurance agent but yeah. like what the fuck did he have in his phone right? and so I go we just start cracking up and I go he is risen <laughs> <laughs> And so, of course, we then, then we text message the insurance agent. And, and he goes, well, in the insurance business, sometimes we like to get a little wild. <laughs> and he was like, if you would like to get on a three-way, three-way call so I can get you to the right number, we can do that. You know, and it, But it was just this beautiful, and I'm like, Easter Sunday, here we are on the phone sex line. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much that you could do with it. You could pull in a Mary Magdalene joke. You can right. pull in like <laughs> too much. When I sat here and debated whether to share that story because I was like, oh my God, are like all the Christians listening are going to be like. Do you really think that all those Christians listen to our show? Pray for you, Sarah. I'm praying for you, Sarah. Like there's an explicit rating on every single one. <laughs> You're going to hell, Sarah. I'm praying for you. I know. You on know, the holiest it. day of the year. As a Jew, it is not my holy day. This is an interreligious show. You didn't know. I, I didn't know. I didn't bring a lot of religion content, sadly. But, uh, so I am would religion is... content be out of your spectrum of your clean content that you were talking about? Hey, if there's a church out there that wants to hire me, I have plenty of great <laughs> religious content. But no, I don't usually do that. This is hilarious. This is like the exact the, one of the more recent podcasts I recorded was with the Clean Comedy Podcast. And uh, this is like the exact opposite. <laughs> <laughs> This is great. I love it. Do you find it harder to develop content now because of that fear of offending? Like, I just had that fear of, should I share this? Should I not? Because I don't want to offend anybody. I want to be thoughtful. Like, it, do you feel like it's harder now? Oh, it's, it's rough. I'm a straight white male. Like, cancel culture is for real. And I have to, I want to be careful. Like, I'm not big enough that anybody cares to cancel me. But somebody, hopefully, in six years, I'll be big and somebody will come back and watch this entire episode to try and find me saying the R word or the M word or some new P word. Like uh, who knows what words <laughs> won't be allowed. And if, maybe narwhal will be like, be like a slur in the future and I'll right. get canceled because we were joking about narwhals. Yeah. Uh, but is it really, I think that there's, so I don't think cancel culture is a thing. Okay. I think it's accountability culture. And that things that were acceptable at one point are no longer acceptable. And it's the the wave of saying, hey, you know what? At that one wasn't time, okay back then. <laughs> like, it wasn't okay back then, but we were not, like, aware. aware. Like, it didn't make it okay then, but now we're aware of it. And so there has to be a modicum of accountability, right? There has oh, to I be a little bit of responsibility that you take to say, you know what? I didn't know it then. I know it now. I understand that this is the not... The, the nicest approach or the... Um, the impact it has. The, and I understand the impact it has, so I'm no longer going to do that. Yeah, there's a big thing in comedy not to punch down. When you should punch mm -hmm. up, make fun of people who are powerful and as opposed mm -hmm. to people who are maybe below you. Disenfranchised, in, in yeah. By the way, Joe, totally. can you look up modicum for me and email it to me? Because I have no <laughs> idea what she just said. So. She does that to it me all the time. And I just go... Mm -hmm. I don't even know that, how to spell it. I'm over here. Google can't even get me there. M-O-D-I-C-U-M. <laughs> I, I think it means a small amount. A tidbit. It does mean a small amount. <laughs> yep, it does. Um, a small amount of a it's large It's a good word. It's, it I am loquacious, word. and I own it. Oh, it's a modicum go. is a small amount of something considered desirable. 
Oh, I didn't know that end part. That's, yeah, I learned either. something new today. That I didn't and it's National really Unicorn spell Day. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the things that you learned from this the show. This is great. So what are your boundaries in your comedy? Are you like, this is okay for me to joke about? But for you personally, you're like, this is not okay for me to joke about. What are your comedic boundaries? That is a great question. I Basically, I want to tell jokes that make people feel good. So I would say my boundary is anything that might make people feel uncomfortable. A funny thing about being a clean comedian is I, I'm an outlier. Like when I go to, to an open mic, there's going to be 30 comics who are cussing like sailors and then me. And people are always curious. They're surprised. Like during this podcast, you guys have both sworn and I haven't sworn. And people always want to know if I do swear. And I think mm -hmm. you guys will relate to this. I don't on stage, but around small children all the time. Like they are frustrating. <laughs> like I do swear, well, just just not on stage. It's well, so funny though, because I didn't even notice that he didn't. I didn't either. We make it's up just for part it. of our language. We don't notice right. that we do, and we don't notice people right. don't. And so, I like say in our houses. Times. Yeah. <laughs> Narwhal's the new F word. If and in our houses, like our kids know, like we, it is a mode of expression, and grown ups can say these words, but children cannot. And oh. when you are a grown up, you'll be able to utilize those words, but we're not going to censor ourselves and limit our speech in a way and self limit our self expression and yes. our emotional release by not saying fuck every other minute. I told my <laughs> husband, I was like, I have given up enough for these children. Right? I sacrifice enough. I am not I'm giving not up my last myself. fuck. I am not giving my last fuck just to these kids. Yeah. Yeah. So, Mark, tell us how our people can find you. My website, www.markmasters.co. It's like CO, like Colorado. There's a contact form there. It goes right to my phone. I respond to people pretty much immediately all the time. If you want a private comedy show, if you want information about my upcoming tour dates, it's all on that website. I'm not on Facebook or Instagram. I am on Twitter at the Mark Masters. Nice. And now, that was very concise. I'm very impressed. I like break. It was just a modicum of. It's a modicum of. You can find me at markmasters.co, like Colorado, or like comedy. Yeah, That's or colonoscopy. Connect with us at girlswhodostuff.com. <laughs> Subscribe to our email list for fun announcements and leave us a review. It helps other people find our stuff. We would be so grateful to you for taking those actions so we can get this out into the world and change more lives. I am Jenny Midgley. I am Sarah Madras. And, and you, you do you, boo. boo. We love making this stuff for you. You can help us out by subscribing to this podcast and follow us on social media.